Philippians chapter 2. I want us to read this morning the first eight verses of Philippians 2. And I want us to look this morning at the thought of having the mind like Christ. A mind like Christ. Philippians 2, starting in verse number 1. And the Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye may that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We live in a world and a society uh, of disagreement. Don't we? Everybody's on one side or the other. There's very few people in the middle. And, uh, and we see this constant uh, battle raging in society. But when it comes to the church, when it comes to your church family, when it comes to us, this group of people, we ought to be of one mind. And ultimately, that be the mind of Christ or a mind like Christ. And that's what I want us to look at uh, this morning. Lord, I pray for your help as we look into this passage. And as we study your word, I pray that we would learn from it. I pray that we'd be reminded of some things. I pray that we'd be challenged by it. And Lord, I pray we'd be encouraged uh, by it as well. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I uh, uh, talk through this passage, Lord, that I would present it clearly and correctly, and that we truly would learn more of you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we come to this passage, I've been praying on this verse, verse number uh, five, for a couple weeks now, and, uh, and, and decided to preach on it today. But we have this, um, the idea we know, we read through Acts, and we read uh, uh, through the, the early church there, of them being of one mind, and of them spending time together praying, and fellowshipping, and studying, and learning together. And with that came great growth of the church. Now, granted, the circumstances there were slightly different than the circumstances we're in today. Christ had recently been crucified and recently been resurrected. And, uh, and, and we see the, the great impact that the Holy Ghost had on the preachers that were preaching and, and uh, everyone of, of every language being able to understand what was being taught. And, but we see ultimately what the result of all of that, of the preaching of God's Word, of the working of the Holy Spirit, came this unified group of people who came together with the common goals uh, to, to, to sit down together and, and get to work. The, uh, I don't want to share too much information with you because it's just not necessary, but um, there's, a, there's things going on right now with, amongst preachers. And there's a common fra a phrase that, that's been going on for ages of we're on the same team. And that's what they say. And typically it's the people who are doing wrong and are getting scolded for it, and they're saying, hey, we're all on the same team. You should be okay with what I'm doing. We're all on the same team. Uh, we, yes, in a way we are, and I say that. We are on the same team. If we want people to come to Christ, that's good. That's positive, and I'm for people doing that uh, and, and, and trying to help people do that. Um, but there are other things that, that cause us to be on different teams going for the same goal. Um, people who I think ultimately are good people, people who I believe desire to love God, 
uh, but are just not obeying Him. And uh, uh, as a church, not only are we on the same team, we're in the same family. Um, not only are we in the family of God if we're saved, but God has placed us as a unit. He's brought you here, He's brought me here to be one team, to work together and accomplishing not only the same goal, but I believe to do it in very similar ways. Um, there's still going to be differences. We're individuals, we're people, and when you have people, you have differences. That's always going to be the case. If you're in a church where every single person there is exactly like you, you're not doing your job. Um, it's just not, you're not doing it right. Uh, I've, been in, I've seen churches where everybody looks the same, and that's fine, but uh, I say it's fine, but it's not, because if everybody looks the same, then that means you don't have new people coming in, and, and, and there's no one look, all right? Um, there's, there's one modesty, there is one appropriateness, there is one uh, um, uh, godly way of living, but that encompasses different things. Not everybody has to look the same. All right? Not everybody has to um, <clears throat> do everything the same. We were talking this morning in men's Sunday school about developing uh, messages, Sunday school lessons, sermons, things like that. And, and there's two different kinds of ways to do that, probably more than that. But we talked about topical messages and, and, uh, and, and expository messages. And, and, and no one way is right, no one way is wrong. And, uh, and there's different ways to do it. Uh, there are guys who are churches who uh, are just all around different. In, in 2021, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm already scheduling the Small Church Pastors Conference for the following year still, and already working on stuff for that, and we're going to have a session for uh, urban ministry and a session for rural ministry. Pastors who are in small towns, farm communities, things like that, pastors who are in cities, because it's different. You still have the same message, but there are differences amongst it. Any church you go to today, it'll look different than our church. Not just the building, but everything. You might sing the same songs, but you might do a different order of service. You might preach out of the same Bible, but a different message. And all these different things, and, and, and it all works out. But as, as we as a group, as we as a unit, as we as a family, we ought to be of one mind. We ought to be on page with each other. We don't have to do everything the same, but we ought to be going about the purpose of God, following the same path, so to say, uh, uh, to get there. Uh, so let's look at a couple things that God gives us here in this passage. He says in verse number 1, <clears throat> talks about if there be consolation, if there's any comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, bowels and mercy, uh, fulfill ye my joy. This is important. Anytime you're reading the Bible, you're going to see this. When God talks about accomplishing great things for Him, when God talks about having eternal joy, when God talks about doing right, it's always going to come back to God. Fulfill ye my joy, not fulfill be ye your joy, but my joy, uh, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. So God's saying, in order for ye to fulfill my joy, these things need to be in place. You need to be like-minded. Again, that doesn't mean, it literally means of the same mind, but it doesn't mean that we have to, that everything has, we all have different standards in our homes, yet as a church we have one standard, uh, if that makes sense. Some people listen to music that I don't listen to, I probably listen to some music that you don't listen to, and, 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 and it is what it is. And we've, we've preached this over and over and over again in your own life, for your personal standards, that's between you and God. You have to go to God, get those standards, and put those standards into your life. 
As a church, we have one standard, and that is on purpose for multiple reasons, uh, but we had that standard set in place. And so together, we don't come in and try to, if I can use the term buck the system, and that sounds awfully humanistic, but uh, we don't come in and try to say, well, I know that this is the standard of the church, but this is my standard at home, so when I'm at church, I'm still going to uphold that, that standard, even though it's different than the church's. And what I mean by that is, we know that the church is trying to function in this way, and instead of, we have the, the choice, do we not, to be at the church. So instead, and I, our church does not have this problem, but I've had it in other churches. Instead of uh, coming in and following that standard while at church, the deal is, well, I don't agree with that, so I'm going to try to change it. And I'm going to do it my way. Anytime that anybody, from the pastor down, says, I'm going to do it my way, it's wrong. Whether it's biblically wrong, the standard that you're talking about is wrong, it doesn't matter because the attitude is wrong. Well, I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what they say. I don't like it, so I'm going to do it this way. That's not, you can't be like-minded if that's the, the, the process that we're going to have. Sometimes churches are full of people who are like-minded in the sense they all say, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> and that's not what God's talking about. That's not, that's not like-minded. That's not of the same mind. They all have the same thoughts, uh, but different, different things with it. Like-minded, the same love. What is the love? The love ultimately has to be God. Our love for God should motivate us then to do things that God's told us to do. And that's the same love that we should have. You remember... And, and I'm going to say it wrong, so I won't even say it. The church that God says, you've left your first love. Well, the first love is the love that we're all supposed to have, the love of God and following Him. Uh, be of one accord, working together, doing together the things that God has called this church to do, and of one mind. So then he goes into verse 3, some things not to be. And number one, and really it all encompasses this thought, do not be selfish. And this is as hard for the pastor as it is for anybody, especially when you're talking about a church setting. Do not be selfish. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. We cannot be selfish and be of one mind in the church. And we cannot be selfish and have the mind of Christ. Um, we ought to be opposing Satan. Uh, that's our enemy. We ought not be opposing each other. If we're wrong, if somebody is wrong, we ought to help them in love. But our enemy is not, not somebody sitting in this auditorium. Uh, our enemy is not the church down the road. Our enemy is not our politicians. Our enemy is Satan. But what happens is, in the church, sometimes people get where they're opposing the wrong person. And with that comes the selfishness, the vainglory that's mentioned in verse 3. Strife is a result of selfishness. Vainglory is doing it for the wrong reasons. It's an empty glory because it's pouring back on yourself. Selfishness. We should judge ourselves and be loving and show grace to others. Uh, strife comes again when, it's, when we're focusing on ourselves. Any argument I've ever seen go on in a church, and I've seen more than I'm proud of, is because of selfishness. It, it's, you know, it's, uh, well, they did this, they said that to me, and I didn't like it. Uh, sometimes it's because they were legitimately wronged, but, but they didn't handle it the right way. Because all they saw was their hurt and their pain. 
we, we cannot be selfish and be of one mind. We cannot be selfish and have the mind of Christ. And if we'll take time to judge ourselves instead of judging other people, if we'll take time to show grace and mercy to other people instead of judging them, we'll not be one that falls into this strife and this vainglory. We should be concerned for others. What does verse 4 say? Look not every man on his own things, his own needs, his own desires, but every man also on the things of others. We should be concerned with others not because of curiosity or gossip. Sadly, in churches today, there are so many people and they've got to know everything. But why? So they can tell somebody else. They're not going to help anybody with what they have. But they want to know. <laughs> and, and when you're that person, everybody knows it. Um, that's just that simple. When you are that person, everybody knows it. Don't look on... Uh, every man uh, on his own things, on your own things, but look at others. What do they need? How can I help them? Uh, how can I make it easier for them? I think of those who are willing to teach and those who do teach um, Sunday school classes and the children's church and things like that. And sometimes we can get caught into this, uh, this, this thought of, uh, well, I sure wish they would do this instead of that. And instead of talking to them instead of giving them an idea instead of praying for them we just sit back with our arms crossed and and get you know bitter or gossip or whatever it may be about different things i'm thankful i've had people that have come to me before and said hey this this is going on and i think this is you know maybe be wise to do something different and and uh and i think it's fine to come to the pastor with those things and i don't mind handling things within the church but uh it's it's better to do that a bird just hit the window um, it's better it's better to do that come on in you're welcome um the <laughs> add that to the the attendance today <coughs> It's better to come to the pastor or go directly to the person with a heart of uh, a, a sincere heart to help than to just sit back and let it stew and to gossip about it with other people. Selfish, a selfish spirit destroys a church. It just does. Um, I've seen it uh, in, in, uh, in churches. I've seen it. I've talked with other pastors about it this weekend. Um, where there's just people who have this mind, it's all about them. If I was the pastor, I would do this. Well, then go start a church. Um, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be a pastor. I'm just saying if I was the pastor, I would. Uh, you know, there's this, there's this mindset of, of my way is the only right way. And listen, I, 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 I do not take lightly the fact that there are people who sit in a church, you sit in a church and, and see things that I do and go, well, if I was him, I wouldn't do it that way. Uh, I, I can respect that. I've never claimed to be the perfect pastor. Uh, seriously, I've, I've joked about it, but I've never claimed to be the, uh, the perfect pastor. There are times where I sit back and see it myself. Oh, that was a mistake. There are other times where someone tells me that was a mistake. Uh, my wife uh, regularly helps me with that. Um, other in the people church, and I, I mean, seriously, other people in the church do that, that as well. Hey, uh, you said this, or, or you did this, or maybe it would help if I had someone come to me one time and say, um, you shared this with us, and to be completely honest with you, we didn't need to know about it. And, uh, and he said, I believe it's hurting you more than helping us. And I said, thank you. And I stopped talking about it. <laughs> That's not selfish. 
and people truly desiring to help. And one thing that helps our churches is everybody's willing to be involved. In other churches that I've, uh, that I've been in, say it that way, uh, people who come and, and with issues oftentimes aren't willing to help. I know pastors who have to regularly say, hey, the junior church teacher does this. Okay, well, you want to start teaching junior church? No. Well, then be quiet. Uh, and and that's a selfish mindset, and a selfish spirit destroys the church. It rips it apart. But when we're of one mind, and specifically a mind like Christ, we can see the church nourish, we can see the church grow, and we can, more importantly than all of that, we can see the church have an impact for Christ. Uh, don't be selfish. That's a simple point. I think we all understand it. But don't do it. Don't let things be done in strife and vainglory. But do them in lowliness of mind and esteeming each other better than the other. So ultimately what it comes back to is verse number five, be like Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example in every area of your life. We have the life of Christ recorded for us in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we can see things there where Jesus is our example. And, and His character, uh, in, his, in His actions, in the way He dealt with people, in His love for people... All of it comes back to Jesus. When we talk about marriage in Ephesians 5, what does it say? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. It's an example given to us. And so we come back to this point now in verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then they go into it for us to help us understand. So don't be selfish. Be like Jesus. Verse number 5 again says, let this mind be in you. That one mind, that one accord, the same love, like-mindedness, let it be as it was in Christ or is in Christ Jesus. Remember we talked about this last week or the week before in John where it says, uh, He must increase, but I must decrease. Okay, if I'm not going to be selfish, that means there has to be an increase of Christ and a decrease of myself. If I'm going to let my mind be like Christ's mind, then He must increase and I must Decrease to be of one mind or of one accord or having the same love, we must center our mind around Christ. It's just that simple. Matthew eleven twenty nine, Christ says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. God Almighty, the creator of the world, humbled himself and became low. Jesus came to this earth a humble uh, a creature, if I can use that term, a humble creature, and we should be humble as well. In verse number 6, the Bible says, "...who being in form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God." There was only one person who's ever walked the earth who could think it not robbery to be equal with God, and that was Christ. Why? Because He is God. There are people throughout history who have claimed to be God. And I guarantee you they've paid for it. Now we don't claim to be God, but we oftentimes don't humble ourselves. And if we use Christ as our example, if we'll have a mind like Christ, we will see that we need to humble. We are not equal with God, but Christ is, and He was when He came to this earth. John 10 verse 30, Christ said, I and my Father are one. We're the same. There is no difference. It's not that we look alike. 
It's not that we're kind of alike. We are one, Christ said. When Christ came to the earth, He left heaven, but He did not leave His deity. He's still God. When He came to earth, although He set aside characteristics, things, so that He could be an example to us, and so that ultimately He could pay the penalty that had to be paid, the price that had to be paid for us, He set aside some, His deity, but He was still God. And He was also still man. And He made Himself, it says, in the likeness of man, flesh and blood. He felt pain. He felt hunger. He felt hurt. He felt all the things that we felt. He was tempted like we are tempted. That was all true because He humbled Himself and He took the form of man and, and He brought on this form of a servant, the Bible says here as well. We joke about this maybe. We talk about this as well. And a lot of times we cover it at Christmas time. But think about this. What Christ gave up to spend those years here on this earth. It truly is humbling. He came, the Bible says here in this passage, in the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. If you are God, can you get any more humbler, is that a word, um, than becoming a human? I mean, have you seen humanity? You leave perfection and Christ was still perfect. Will you leave perfection of heaven to come to this messed up world? To spend years walking amongst people, knowing that they're going to hate you, despise you, spit on you, try to stone you, uh, uh, tell you that you can't be what you say you are, ridicule you. You realize how little support Christ had on this earth? Think about it. He had his disciples. And there were other followers that we don't read about, but that we know were there. There are multitudes of people who followed Christ and different things like that. But in the grand scheme of things, you realize how little um, edification Christ got while on this earth. He was constantly being torn down, constantly being ridiculed. And that shows the humility of Christ when he was on this earth. Christ took the form of the servant, and that's what we are supposed to do as well. Yet you're constantly striving for promotion. And Christ says, I was a servant, and that's what you should be as well. We constantly want titles. We constantly want responsibility. We constantly want um, applause. And Christ says, I came as a servant. Servants don't get applause. They don't. Uh, servants don't get accolades. Servants don't get promotions. Servants don't get raises. They are servants, and they work, and they work, and they work, and they work, and they work. And that's it. We go to work, uh, and most of us, I don't know if everybody does or not, but we go to work and our work throws a Christmas party. Servants don't get a Christmas party. Christ didn't come and, and work and his disciples go, hey, now I, I get it. But the disciples didn't, I understand how Christmas works, okay? But the disciples didn't say, hey Lord, let's have a Christmas party. The 13 of us, we get together and throw a little party. Yeah, we, we think sometimes that our jobs are treating us like slaves, but I'm telling you, we don't understand the concept of what a servant is. And Christ became low when He came to this earth. He humbled Himself and took on the form of a servant. And it's an example to us that we must have the mindset of that as well. God says um, that, that there's, there's the opportunity when we stand before God that He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
God doesn't care if you were a manager. God doesn't care if you were a pastor. I say that. I think you understand what I'm saying by that. Um, He doesn't care if you were a missionary. He doesn't care if you were um, uh, uh, the president. He doesn't care about those titles. He cares about your heart and what you did with it. There's nothing wrong with working for a promotion. There's nothing wrong with taking a promotion. There's nothing wrong with uh, having a, a title. But sometimes we, we look in the, the eyes, through the eyes of the world and think, well, I've succeeded because I've made it to this point. And yet when we stand in heaven and God looks at the plumber who faithfully attended his church and faithfully tithed and faithfully witnessed and faithfully just served God in his home, and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then the pastor comes up and he says, welcome home. Now, welcome home is better than go away. But it's not the same as well done, thou good and faithful servant. We work on this earth to um, appease people. A lot of times as a child, you, we want to, to, to make sure your parents are proud of you. As a spouse, you want to make sure your spouse is proud of you. Uh, we, we go through I, I think the older I get as a, I didn't realize this but as a parent you want to make sure your kids are proud of you as a pastor you want your church to be proud of you uh, every aspect of life we, we, we want we, we're striving for that but if you want to make God proud of you then you just serve him faithfully why? because that's what Christ did Isaiah said Christ would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That doesn't sound fun, yet Christ, knowing that, still came to this earth. His death was the ultimate humbling experience. As he was nailed to the cross, a, a wicked man's punishment. Think about this. Christ was perfect. He never sinned, not as a baby, not as a child, not as a teenager, not as a young man, not as a leader. Not as a citizen. He never sinned. And although when he was put on the cross, he bore the weight of my sin, we look at that and go, I wouldn't want to die. I wouldn't want to die for Nancy Pelosi. Honestly, I wouldn't want to die for most of you. And yet Christ put that weight on himself, a perfect person. Again, I use that word lightly. A perfect person, uh, an example to all, died the ultimate sinner's death. That's humbling. And yet we read in verse 3, don't don't let things be done in strife and vainglory. Don't look on your own things, but look on other people's things. Why? Because Christ did the same thing. We're supposed to be of one mind, a mind of Christ. And Christ took upon himself the form of a servant. He became low. Verse 8, he fashioned as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto the death of the cross. And yet we won't be obedient to read our Bible. We won't be obedient to pray. We won't be obedient to forgive. And yet Christ was obedient to a death he did not deserve. In the garden before the cross, Christ prayed to God the Father, If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. 
Christ never once gave up His willingness to die for us. But if you think it was just as simple as, well, I know I'm going to be raised from the dead, so all's good. It was not. Christ showed us, I believe, an example of how to handle stress, how to handle pressure, of how to obey when, what, when, when obedience might bring pain. Christ was willing to do all this. Why? Uh, uh, ultimately, He did it for, for our sins. I think secondarily, it was done again as an example. I think everything Christ did was an example for us. And so when it says in verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also of Christ Jesus, it's not a mistake that it's followed by telling us that God made himself of no reputation and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. Because we are told <clears throat> throughout the Bible the importance of obeying what God has told us to do. And we will always obey, or I say always, most of the time we obey the easy things. But when it comes to the harder things, we go, well, you know, I don't think that's God's will for my life. But Christ had the mind to obey His Father, even when the result of it was not just death. It was a painful death, but not just a painful death. It was an emotional weight unlike any of us have ever felt. Christ hanging on the cross said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You ever had someone that you know loves you, someone that you trust, someone that you care for, turn away from you? Refuse to look at you? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We, th we sometimes overlook how hard the death on the cross was for Christ because of who Christ is. But Christ says, let your mind, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, to be obedient even in the, the most tenuous times, even in the most stressful times, even in the most heart-wrenching times, to still be obedient to have this like-mindedness, this same love, this one accord, this one mind, we cannot be selfish. We cannot be strifing, or maybe it's striving, strifing within the church with each, with each, with each other. And you can look at this, I think, <clears throat> possibly with other churches and things like that. We shouldn't be fighting other churches. But ultimately it comes back to this group right here. We ought to be on the same team. And if we have a mind, the same mind that was in Christ, in us, then we will not be selfish. The mind that we're supposed to have is one that becomes low, that humbles ourselves. This means looking at others and their needs over mine. This means having a compassionate heart to other people. This might inconvenience me, but it is the right thing to do. And so I'm going to set aside my wants to help this person. Become low. Humble yourself. That's what God did. That's what Christ did. Be a servant. Always willing to serve. I am so thankful. 
for the heart of this church. I, I know I've said it, and I probably don't say it enough. I, I'm so thankful for the heart of this church, the willingness to serve. I, I talk to people who uh, plant churches, and them and their wives are doing everything in the church. Everything. Uh, I was talking with someone this weekend, and my wife is in the nursery, or was. They're, they're not at the church anymore. But, uh, you know, I was teaching Sunday school, kids' Sunday school, youth group, children's church, uh, Wednesday night kids' stuff. Uh, my wife was in the nursery every service. She would make like a service a month, and it was like a Sunday night service uh, every month, and that was it. And they weren't even the, the lead pastor. They were doing everything, everything, everything in the church. And you cannot survive that way. The church isn't meant to be one person. It's a group of people who have different gifts from God, who can come in and fit into the body of, of Christ, into the church here, and, and have an impact in the church by serving in the areas in which God has given them the ability to serve. And we have to understand, and we cannot lose that servant mindset. As the Lord blesses this church with growth, it's going to make opportunities to serve maybe a little bit more, more sparse, uh, less. Or maybe there'll be more rotation of stuff, and people will, will, will be doing it for a quarter or a week or a month or whatever and rotating through. But that doesn't mean that you should lose your, servant, your servant's heart and being willing to serve. <clears throat> I'm continually amazed when we put out and ask, um, hey, can anybody do this? Will anybody, can anybody help out and bring this? Can anybody do whatever? And people are like, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, they won't listen, so I can say this. I've been in other churches where it's like, well, well what did I tithe for? Well, why am I giving in the offering if I've got to go and do this? Okay, well, I guess we'll just cut it out and we won't do it. But <laughs> you know, we can't do it. <clears throat> Our church isn't like that. And I'm thankful, but we cannot lose that. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Be a servant. Continue to serve and have a heart to serve uh, as well. And you're serving God. You're not serving the pastor. I hear the term that we ought to, as a church, we ought to serve the pastor. And I understand the heartbeat behind it. But ultimately, we're serving God. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? And, and, and we, we do this. We, have, you know, we do the member sheet and you fill out the areas you're willing to serve and, and not everybody does everything that they checked and are willing to do, um, but it's that willingness. The first time we did that, I was, just, I, was, I was so happy of how many things were checked and how many things people were willing to do and get involved in. Um, found out later some of them, the spouse checked it for the other spouse and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, but they still did it. That's what we have to be with to continue that as well. To be to have the mind of Christ, we have to serve. And very simply, lastly, just doing the will of the Father. Why was Christ obedient to the death, even the death of the cross? Because that was the will of the Father. That's what God desired for him to do. We'll talk about that more in the afternoon service. We talked about it last week as well. Do what God wants you to do. I'm thankful that you... I've made compromises too. I promise I have. I don't always tell you about them. Um, I've made compromises as well, but I'm thankful that you were willing to make compromises for this church. Not, we think compromise sometimes is bad. It's not. It doesn't have to be. But you make compromises for this church as well. 
or you've said it may not be something that I would normally do or it may not be something that I've done before. Um, you know, if I was the pastor, I may not do it this way, but I'm willing because I believe it's God's desire for our church and I'm going to do it. Just the willingness to obey. That's all God is asking for. Are you willing to go to Africa and be a missionary? <clears throat> That's a tough question. <laughs> it really is. And you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what happens if God says go to Africa and be a missionary? If you hesitate, you weren't willing, right? And I'm not saying that's what God's... That's just a, it's a broad example. But God says, I need people who are willing to do whatever I tell them to do. Do the will of the Father. Don't take it lightly that Christ died on the cross. It was not easy. It was, I, my guess, and this is purely opinion, my guess, the emotional hurt outweighed the physical pain in ways that we'll never experience. But he was obedient because it was the will of the Father. Be obedient to what God desires for you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have a mind like Christ. If you'll pray each morning as you read your Bible, or each day as you read your Bible, Lord, help me to have a mind like Christ. God, develop my heart to be the same as Christ. Help me to be humble. I don't know if you have to pray that. I do. <laughs> Lord, help me to be humble. I don't say, Lord, humble me, because I don't, I ask him just to help me to do it myself. God humbles you. Ouch. But Lord, help me to be humble. <clears throat> Lord, help me to serve. Help me to serve others. Christ's ministry, it was all serving. He served his disciples. At times, his disciples didn't understand it. He was washing his disciples' feet. Whoa, 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 no, 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 you don't wash my feet. He says, yes, I do. He served those who were uh, uh, cast out of society. He served those who were um, less fortunate than him and the others around him. He served religious leaders that were wicked. He served kings that were wicked. But he had a servant's mindset, a servant's heart, and he was the ultimate example of us how to serve. Coach Terry Price, who just died a couple weeks ago, uh, I told you about, um, he had a message and a, and a message that he would share, not just a preaching message, but he would share, he says, take the towel and serve, as Christ did. Be a servant. Be willing to serve. Serve those around you. Serve those at work. Uh, have that, that heart and that mindset. Christ had, we are not Christ, I understand that. Christ had a, a, a massive impact in his, in his earthly life because he served other people. If he came in and took a pharisaical attitude and mindset of I'm important and I'm religious and you're not worthy of my time, what we read in the Bible would be vastly different. But because God was perfect, because Christ was perfect, 
He served others. And he did the will of the Father. Just do what God wants you to do. <clears throat> to have a mind like Christ, to be of one mind, of the same love, uh, like-minded here for us together in this church. We have to think as Christ thought, do as Christ did, and be obedient as Christ was obedient. Lord, help us. We can't do it on our own. We are naturally selfish. Uh, we are naturally prideful. We are nat naturally wicked. God, we need your help even to this day to follow your word and do what you desire for us to do. You've given us an example in Christ, and you've given us your word that will teach and train us and develop us into what we're supposed to be. God, help us to take it, apply it to our lives, and do what you desire to do. Lord, thank you for helping us and not leaving us here on our own to try to do the things that we could not do. And God, I pray now that we would lean on you, that we would trust you, that we'd follow you, and that we would, uh, together as a group, be a church that honors you in all that we do. Lord, help us to have a greater impact uh, for you in this community. And God, we'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory for it. Help us as we deal in our lives with the things you've spoken to us about today, as we make the adjustments necessary on a daily basis. And Lord, that, uh, that we truly will um, make you proud, uh, God. Uh, we would strive to, to just follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, let's go ahead and get <clears throat> set up for lunch. Once everything is set up and ready to go, uh, we will pray and we will eat. Let's go ahead and be dismissed. <clears throat>